We would like to see a, a consensus on economic and energy policy in Germany on how to get there and um, from the from the sort of large big 10 parties. Welcome to the Joel. It's the 30th of January. I'm your host, Kira Taylor. Later in the episode, we'll take a look at the energy transition in Europe's industry giant and biggest gas guzzler, Germany. First, let's take a look at the top climate and energy stories from around the world today. Russia's energy ministry wants to restrict flights over its energy facilities, according to the Vedomosti daily newspaper. The potential plan would only allow planes protecting the facilities or carrying Russian and foreign officials to fly in the area. It follows an increasing number of attacks on Russian energy infrastructure. On Monday, Russian air defences fended off a drone attack on an oil refinery. Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials have said Kiev is behind some attacks. Kyiv has also called for a no-fly zone, particularly in light of its nuclear power plants. The US government has finalised energy efficiency standards for stoves, aimed at reducing bills and improving performance. The new rules will come into effect in 2028, and the government estimates they will save citizens around $1.6 billion on their bills over 30 years. It also expects the new rules to reduce CO2 emissions by almost 4 million metric tonnes over the same period. That's about the same as those from the yearly energy use of 500,000 households. According to the government, around 97% of gas stove models and 77% of smooth electric stove models on sale already meet the standards. Staying in the States, the US government's decision to pause approvals for pending and future permits to export liquefied natural gas has caused ripples. Canada is now facing similar pressure from environmental activists ahead of elections later this year, Reuters reports. Meanwhile, the National Ocean Industries Association has warned that pausing export permits may have detrimental impacts on the US, the Gulf Coast and other allies. It will disrupt a crucial global energy source that offers stability and affordability, according to Association President Eric Melito. He said citizens in the US and Europe will bear the cost while it advantages countries like Russia. Meanwhile, back across the pond, Europe's gas demand is expected to drive $1 trillion of spending on global gas production this decade. That's according to Global Witnesses' analysis of Reistad Energy data. The NGO says $233 billion of that will go towards new gas production. Shell, Total Energies, ExxonMobil, Equinor and Eni are forecast to be the top spenders, Burning the forecast gas would emit 6.6 billion tonnes of carbon dioxide between now and 2033, about the same as 23 years' worth of France's carbon emissions, according to the NGO. The International Energy Agency has said there is no need for investment in new fossil fuel supply in its net-zero pathway. Italy wants to be the gateway for African natural gas entering Europe. Speaking at a summit with African leaders and European officials, Italian Prime Minister Giorgio Maloney laid out a series of initiatives including boosting energy ties. Named the Matai Plan after the founder of ENI, it also looks at boosting economic ties and curbing immigration and is backed by an initial pledge of 5.5 billion euros. But it was not welcomed by all. Reuters quotes chairman of the African Union Commission saying he wished Africa had been consulted first. Alongside this, around 80 African climate organisations have voiced concern about the plan. It fails to take into account the African perspective 
and risks worsening the climate crisis, they argue. EU countries have given the final green light to new rules to reduce harmful emissions. The two laws introduce bans and restrictions on the use of fluorinated gases and substances that deplete the ozone layer. These are found in everyday products such as fridges and air conditioners. The laws also encourage the development of sustainable alternatives. They will need to be signed by the European Parliament and the Council and will soon come into force. The International Monetary Fund has approved just over $180 million for Cameroon under the Resilience and Sustainability Facility. Cameroon is highly vulnerable to climate change, including recurring droughts, floods, landslides and coastal erosion. The money aims to address these vulnerabilities, including by supporting efforts to strengthen governance and policy around climate change and enhancing adaptation and mitigation efforts. Voluntary carbon management initiatives can help the world reach net zero emissions, but their standards need to be coordinated and more businesses need to get on board, according to new research. The findings from the International Institute for Sustainable Development show that while voluntary schemes can help, a lack of uptake from the private sector and limited coordination reduce their impact. A lack of data and multiple sets of standards also creates a complex landscape with some claims being misleading and difficult to compare. That's all the news we have time for today. Now on to the story of the moment. Germany is the European Union's biggest gas consumer. For many years, it relied on cheap Russian supplies to fuel its industry. But in 2022, the invasion of Ukraine and cuts in Russian supply forced it to rethink. During the energy crisis, the EU and Germany doubled down on diversification of supply. That led to a dramatic rise in LNG imports. But while this was needed in the short term, it does not solve the long-term challenges and the new dependencies bring more risks, according to a new report. While that was necessary for the short term, it does not give an answer for the like, long-term challenges that arise from that, right? because obviously these new dependencies come with new risks. That's Jonathan Bart, spokesperson for the Energy Independence Council, a panel of experts brought together by think tank Zoe Institute for Future Fit Economies. The group has produced a new report looking at how Germany could slash its gas dependence by almost 80% with a series of new measures. This would help the country avoid gas insecurity, boost the economy and protect people from high prices. Here's what Jonathan had to say about the findings. The main message is, yeah, we can also reduce gas use. We need to think of how to decouple the, the European economy and our energy system from the reliance of natural gas. And that can happen both in the building sector and in the industry industry sector. We are not looking at the power sector because we have the impression the, the investment dynamic we see there is already quite advanced. But uh, on those two sectors, uh, well, we do not see the same kind of dynamic that we would like to see when it comes to decoupling from natural gas. Cutting gas consumption doesn't just help Germany's energy security. It would also help boost competitiveness, said Jonathan. I mean, the biggest motivation was the security angle and energy security angle, but we also then throughout the discussions have seen that ultimately prioritizing natural gas independence is an industrial policy program. Particularly if, if you think of Germany, then mechanical engineering and the sector is like one of the biggest strengths of this economy. And if you think of replacing natural gas heating solutions with natural gas free heating solutions and through electrification, that obviously is a big boost for that part of the economy. And so in this environment where the 
the current German economy is quite well shaken. I think the government should consider that actually like industrial policy priority on like mechanical engineering and uh, machinery. I think that's something that can bear fruit and where there's a strong potential for for the economy to it. And then it's it's a huge synergy, right? Because on the one hand, we decouple from the geopolitical price shocks. On the other hand, we support decarbonization. And on the third hand, we like support our economy. And I think, I would say it's a case you cannot say no to. The group proposes measures spanning finance, industry, buildings and politics. The 10 recommendations include scaling up energy services and mobilising institutional actors like public utility providers. Priority areas include gas boilers in buildings, which account for half of all heating systems in Germany, and the use of natural gas in industrial processes, which is about 80% of industrial consumption. The report argues that an investment of 9.5 billion euros in electrifying plants could halve industrial gas consumption, which makes up 13% of Germany's total demand. Meanwhile, getting rid of gas in residential buildings through renewable heating solutions and access to district heating grids could reduce consumption by just under 40%, with a further 12% possible in non-residential buildings. But while the industrial transition is already taking place, it needs guidance, says Jonathan. What has become clear from our discussions also with the different stakeholders um, in the field is how important certainty and planability um, is throughout this transition, right? And this always one government says X, the other one government says Y. Uh, I think that's just something that's really difficult for businesses to deal with. So we need this kind of investment certainty because most of these investments are then also long-term investments. And so I think the crucial challenge is how to create that kind of certainty for them. That's why it's important that even if we have seen the cuts in the like fiscal budgets, that most of the, the core programs still persist and are, are available for industries to tap into. And well, but it needs, I think, to be accompanied, accompanied with like a clear commitment that, yeah, the future industry needs to work without gas, right? Without natural gas. We need, we need to, to start that journey and it's possible. And yeah, the government, I think, can create the necessary momentum for industries then to actually do the job. Another group calling for more clarity from the German government is the Stiftung Klimawirtschaft, an organisation founded by businesses in Germany who are worried that too little was happening on climate. It recently launched an appeal to the German government calling for a clearer vision on how to get to net zero emissions. It wants democratic parties to join forces, enabling long-term transformation and investment decisions. The call is supported by 50 businesses, including big players such as E.ON and IKEA. I spoke to Johannes Skirten, policy advisor at the group. The appeal is really about the need for a clear political vision to get to net zero for, for businesses. I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now in Germany around where things are being taken. Uh, and there's a bit of unhappiness there's with uncertainties around support programs, financial support programs, long, uh, long winding bureaucratic processes, etc. And it's really about formulating that as a, a key political ask, that there's a more clarity around what a climate neutral Germany 2045 will look like, what that will mean for the economy, what will that mean for uh, specific sectors, and how do we get there and how do we actively shape that transition to be an economic and, and successful businesses to, to make the 
transition a business model, really, or the climate transition a business model. The latter is also a commitment to doing business in Germany, which comes amid worries about industries relocating. But Johannes says more needs to be done to make Germany a competitive space compared to international players. We would like to see a a consensus on economic and energy policy in Germany on how to get there from the big 10 parties in Germany, simply because too many sort of erratic decisions have been made over the past about exiting certain uh, energy sources, entering and so on and so forth. And there needs to be more continuity and clarity of where we're taking things. Um, we're asking for a, a development or, or a, a reform of the German debt break not necessarily with a clear ask to invest more or to loosen the debt break as such, but especially with the court ruling last year, the constitutional court ruling that uh, rules parts of the German budget as being unconstitutional, it's clear that the debt break in its current form is leading to more economic uncertainties than providing stability. So this is something the undersigning corporations and, and companies make clear that this is not helping to build trust into, into the German economy as a place to invest in. And that needs to change. And then also market instruments that will help businesses to better put uh, green or climate neutral products into the market. Things around, of course, carbon pricing being one element, but also standards on green products, etc. Everything that helps to sort of get the market for climate neutral products going and, and make sure that this becomes then a market and a business perspective of itself that, of course, is no longer dependent on continued state aid because none of the corporations that have signed this letter uh, are keen on being sort of dependent on, on state aid for the, for the next 30 years or so. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining me. Sam will be back tomorrow looking at alternative fuels for shipping. The Jolt is free to listen to until the end of this week. After that, you'll be able to listen to the Monday and Friday episodes for free. To get access to all five, why not become a member? That will give you access to all of the Jolt episodes as well as the rest of Foresight's reporting and podcasting. To get a taste, we're offering a month free. Check the link in the show notes for more details. Thanks to everyone at Foresight for helping make the job possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of the job. Today.